ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, bite-sized time is here. That's right, we're talking about uh, one of the most incomprehensible segments of an incomprehensible movie, Night, Night Train to Terror, on Kill by Kill. Greetings and salutations, Internet. Your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from a train that operates between worlds and dimensions. Sure. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, where uh, usually we, we talk about a horror movie, uh, and we talk about all the characters in the order in which they die. And we're going to do the same thing this week, but of course, we're, we're using one little segment from a horror anthology as our excuse to uh, melt our brains as we talk about 1985's portmanteau from a motion picture, Night Train to Terror, The Case of Claire Hansen. And of course, there's only one person I trust to make sure that in my business, I get to do whatever I want. And that includes publishing a book called God is Dead. The one, the only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? I, I just feel like we we both need to be having like you know dead beavers mounted on our heads, you know, in 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 honor and homage, if you will, to this unbelievable rug that Richard Mall wears in, in in this motion picture. Now, this is the interesting thing amongst the many interesting things about Night Train to Terror, a film that I inexplicably love because it is inexplicable. It is comprised of three films that were were intended to be full-length motion pictures, but are incomplete for various reasons. Either they ran out of money, they ran out of time, they could never get the people back together again. They're all low budget sort of operations they here. They couldn't get a hold of their dealer. <laughs> or their dealer got a hold of them. And uh, if, so this one producer goes, oh, I'll just cut them down, all three of these movies, into little horror segments and I'll make a, a, an anthology horror movie. And the problem is, with incomplete stories, you don't have enough information to actually tell the story they want to. And they're cut down on top of it. So they're missing entire scenes and you're deleting entire segments just to fit them within this hour and a half long movie. Um, Claire Hansen is the longest of the three. And you would think that would be an advantage. It is not. No. It is the second segment to feature Richard Mole. In the first one, he is bald. In the second one, yes, he appears to be wearing one of Cameron Mitchell's spare wigs. <laughs> does not fit him. No, it does not. It, it only comes down. It kind of gives him the impression of a slightly grown out, low powered haircut. He looks like a part time Wolverine. Is <laughs> is about the. Best description I can try to. Uh, I, I do. I do say that that uh, I, I really, if we still use like like ringers, I you know, most people, myself included, mostly keep their ringers off now on their phones. Mm -hmm. I really would like a a a you know a, a text message alert of just Richard Ball saying God is dead. <laughs> so. Um, he's playing some sort of reverse televangelist. Uh, he, he's a professional atheist. Yeah. And it's, he's doing great because he's got a huge house and his office building is some sort of brutalist masterpiece. 
um, in which it, it it's like a reverse pyramid where it's the widest on top and then at every level it gets skinnier and skinnier. So, like, he's doing great with this whole, I come on local television and tell you God is dead, but I really regret to do it. He pays for, like, a slot in the evening news. So <laughs> can, like, like, you ever, like, back in the day, like, uh, before every, you know, every, every, you know, local news channel was owned by, like, one company. Like, yeah. there would be somebody saying, like, oh, somebody should do something about no parking on one side of the street on, you yeah. know, every Thursday. And yeah. there's, like, a message, like, this is, you know, does not reflect the opinion of Channel 11 News. Well, that's that's basically what he's doing. But he's just like, I hate to tell you, there is no God. <laughs> Like it's a real bummer. I, you know, I understand. This it gives me no, this. it gives me no pleasure to do this, even though it's how I make my living. Listen, I really regret having to take up all this time at six forty-five in the p.m. But right, right after, right after the announcement of the pancake breakfast at the local fire station. God is dead, and now here's Jimmy Buffalo with sports. Like here's, what, here's a water skiing squirrel. <laughs> this is a fucking weird weird motion picture in almost every respect and i've had it on the to-do list for a really long time i would have to say the very existence of bite size has to do with me figuring if we just did the entire movie as a, a full episode no one would listen to it because no one has heard of night train to terror you know i i i honestly thought that it was i thought it was a tv movie like mm. a like you know sort of like a like a trilogy of terror sort of thing sure yeah yeah and then i was looking for it i'm like oh this is actually like a, a movie movie okay and well, it, it, well i mean it, 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 you know, by definition yeah by definition movie, it was not made for television yeah. um and i'm like and then like i started like what in the hell is this <laughs> and you can watch it you can watch it as many times as you want you'll never find out what the hell this is it's it, truly one of the most confounding pieces of media I've ever witnessed. Um, I originally saw this film on Turner Classic Movies, uh, something David Zasloff would very much like to destroy. Um, and I'm like, I've never heard of this before. So I recorded it off of DirecTV on, on my DVR. And I sit down to watch it. You know, two weeks later, whenever I have the chance, because Becky obviously would have zero interest in consuming this media, and she's better for it. And I start watching it, and all of a sudden, there's a train going by, and there's dancers who look like they have been snatched off the set of Breaking, and they are singing a full-ass song, music video style, inside of a train, and I'm like. Where does the terror take place? Well, that's the thing when I when I put it on because I found it on YouTube, um, yeah. and I started watching. Like, is this what I'm supposed to be watching? <laughs> <laughs> like, so I, so I, I, uh, you know, I kind of fast forwarded, and then I see Richard Mull, and it's like, okay, I guess this is what I'm supposed to be watching. <laughs> I didn't watch the whole thing. It, eventually, 
I I was able to 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 uh, get it down to the Claire Hansen part, but yeah. that was a lot of confusion for about ten minutes. Oh no! I think first of all, uh, if is this what I'm supposed to be watching? Question mark should be on the DVD box. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but ten minutes of confusion is also an apt descriptor of this because I think for any segment that you're watching, including the the you know the story that threads the needle throughout it it's the same question is this what i'm supposed to be watching it i don't understand why god and the devil are conducting business on a night train to terror with a band who don't interact with them it's just they're in a separate car they're in the music video car where everyone has a, a, a bandana on their head and is wearing leg warmers. And then they're in tuxedos and having the most trite conversation between the two of them, where they're deciding the fate of various people involved in hilarious nonsense. And at the end of it, he's like, um, he's going to heaven, he's going to hell. And you're like, why do I care? What is going on? Who's this porter who keeps introducing everything but doesn't seem to be in the same room as them? Uh, I, I just, okay. So let's get it. That's the setup. The setup is that you are on a music video train with God and the devil. And then they look out the window and a separate fucking movie happens. An incomplete <laughs> movie that someone cut down so that it could be just a segment in this fucking motion picture movie movie i, I so did uh i did um read a little bit of the wikipedia page for this mm. and apparently the working title for the case of claire hansen but it was supposed to be its own movie was satan's supper which <laughs> makes about as much sense as as the rest of this movie does i uh, i spoiler alert no one has supper in this entire thing. So that would that's a real reach there uh, in terms of a, an original title. So before we get going to the plot proper, I just want everyone to know this, this starts at around the 45 mark of an hour and a half long movie. It's the longest segment and it's quite possible it makes the most sense of the various segments honestly we could do the other two segments in bite size and uh they would still be as wild if not wilder than this one like i had the hardest time deciding which one we would do i think i changed my mind a dozen times but if it sounds like we don't know what we're talking about or confused or we're, we're struggling to make sense of it all guess what so is the movie. <laughs> we are. <laughs> so. I, uh, I I finished watching the segment yesterday and, and I texted Patrick with the, with the single word. What? <laughs> not, not, not a question mark. No. Not a state. Just what? Yeah. No, it, 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 it makes complete sense. I mean, first of all, you're like, am I supposed to be watching this? They don't make them like this anymore. <laughs> Incomprehensible. Yes, absolutely. Um, and then this David Cassidy looking motherfucker. <laughs> I think it's my favorite. Evil David Cassidy. Okay. An evil David Cassidy? 
<laughs> uh, eviler David Cassidy? I don't know that David Cassidy is necessarily evil. Uh, but he did have pretty hair. And this guy's really going for that look. And, and, and you can say, like, in 1985. But honestly, I'm sure this was filmed God knows how many years earlier. I think it said uh, 80, I believe. And, and again, on the Wikipedia page. Yeah. Um, so God and the devil are yakety yak and, and they're like, let's talk about Claire Hansen. <laughs> so we, we cut to Claire's dream in which she is, um, looking, oh, I guess there's one supper. That's true. There's one supper, the opening supper where you you have a bunch of Nazis eating grapes and beer. The, the best combination, the most German of combinations. <laughs> And they're being serenaded by uh, uh, a all-female uh, orchestra uh, in white lab coats. And, and you get one of every instrument. But then it gets to the very end, and there is literally a woman playing a toy violin. I fuck, I kid you not. It's a toy <laughs> violin, Gina. <laughs> and... Uh, another Nazi enters the room and goes, hey, um, Hitler says you have a quota. You're not meeting it. You haven't met your quota. You haven't met your quota because that's how the Third Reich operates on a quota system. You had a quota a of what? I don't know. <laughs> and you, here you are just eating grapes and beer when you could be meeting quotas. And so he just takes out a machine gun and shoots all the ladies in the orchestra. And it's like, there, now you've met your quota. And they're like, what am I supposed to do? Play a record when I eat grapes and beer? Come on, man. This is what I wrote down. Things just happen in this movie. And I want you to keep that phrase in mind. Things just happen in this movie. And so... Claire wakes up out of this dream and Richard Mole, her husband, who is sleeping in a wig, apparently a Cy Spurrier wig so that he can play in it, work in it, go to the pool um, and not never convince anyone he has hair. He can do it all in that way. He sleeps peacefully through this cut to an old guy watching television and on the TV, the, the local news is doing a halftime show at the ballet, Gina. I <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm glad that they love the arts in this Burke, but really halftime at the ballet? They love the arts and atheism. <laughs> they do. It's their twin passions. They don't have a sports team, so it has to be ballet. And so they're like... Uh, the the reporter is like, oh, Mr. Uh, Olivier, uh, what do you think of the ballet? And he's like, meh. <laughs> I'm like, this isn't a good ad for the local dance troupe. This this is not going over well. Like, you're supposed to, when the camera turns on, you're like, well, I'm loving the performance or I can't believe it. And Olivia's like, no, uh, this is doing nothing for me, this, this ballet. Excuse me, I have two ladies on my arm. I have to shag in my limo, and he just saunters off. And so, this alerts a local Holocaust survivor named Weiss. Um, and he's like, Oh, oh, that's the Nazi guy who was filling quotas during World War II. And you're like, Okay, 
That, that's a real hard turn. <laughs> yeah, sure. it's like, oh, it's we're bringing Nazis into this. So Weiss goes across the hallway to uh, his roommate at whatever flop hotel he lives in. And it's Cameron Mitchell and his roommate who lives on top of his head. It's called the toupee. So wait, 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 wait. They're roommates? No, I think they live in the same apartment building. And okay. When I say okay. apartment building, I mean like flea bitten hobo hostel. Cameron Mitchell, NST3K favorite Cameron Mitchell. <laughs> Absolutely true, and and he is. He, uh, it's this hard scene, to the, Patrick. This scene <laughs> where the old man is trying to convince Cameron Mitchell that this guy is like some sort of like it, this guy Olivier is some mm-hmm. sort of like immortal being, yes, who, who has traveled through time and never gets any older. Mm-hmm. This scene, my God, I my my jaw was hanging open. <laughs> It's not helped that they're both being dubbed. So there's no genuine emotion, you know, in their voices as connected to, you know, well, the visuals that you're saying. I don't know if the old man is supposed to be or actually has some sort of like like uh, pulmonary issues because he takes very long pauses between words and, 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 and it's disconcerting. He's like, he's like, that's the man who killed my wife. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like okay, there's stretch, and then there's stretch. Yeah, is it an acting choice or is it someone off screen? You know, giving him the whole pull fingers situation. Um, it, it it what I can tell you is it's not successful and. <laughs> It's hard to listen to. Yes. Because it sounds like he's constantly getting out his dying words. Right. And, you know, it's it's almost, I hate, I hate to compare it to The Keep, which is a genuinely insane motion picture, but also, like, there's a, a real plot. Like, it was a book. There's a, there's a vision to right. The Keep. And just unfortunately... You know, uh, Michael Mann made a three-hour movie that was cut down to like an hour forty, and you could, you could, and and much of what was cut out of that was plot. Right, and I feel like we're in a similar situation here, but also uh, not only in terms of you know it, it being cut down, but also in the fact that like you're you're doing this hokum, you know, Satan plot. But you're 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 tossing, you're sprinkling the Holocaust on top of it, which I just I mean, I, I just think like you really have to be intentional there. <laughs> and um to say that this makes light of that, I don't think is intentional. I just think they don't have the resources or the gravitas to make it work. And it just comes off uh, badly. But we needn't worry because Weiss has a plan. He's going to go to Mr. Olivier's house. Walk in the front door, which I'll I'll inform our audience right now, is never locked. People just wander into this fucking house nonstop. And he's got a gun and he's just gonna do something. So he we now we get a suspicious situation where someone creeps into a house that's filled with crazy colors and he goes through a curtain, and lo and behold, he meets a melted vampire, and that melted vampire shoves his hand through Weiss's chest 
And then we later learned he's instantaneously given a 666 tattoo on his chest. I don't know. The the medical examiner is very uh, determined to believe that the tattoo appeared at the moment of his death. How you can determine that, I don't know. Oh, yeah. They definitely, they saw the omen and they were like, yeah, lots and lots and lots of that. And the omen is easy, right? Like anyone can do it. That's the impression you get when you watch the <laughs> fucking omen. But here, you know, you just have you just have people, you know, you know, but that person is the devil. And then you know, you have someone smirking, and then something horrible happens to the other person. That's how you do it. That's yeah, how you make a yeah. movie. But the omen never like lowers itself to the point where a melted vampire punches, you know, Mortal Kombat somebody to death. <laughs> They, they they finish they 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 finish him yeah and they, they, uh, they a a a down down left b <laughs> you tell i used to play that game uh yeah I, I can't say that i've touched a mortal Kombat game since 1992 i would say that um I would say ages me, but also every reference we do on this podcast. Uh, I think it me. is well established that that we are quite old and, and not immortal beings possessed by Satan. Uh, the other night at Horror Trivia in Burbank, um, they had a round on 90s um, kids horror, like goosebumps and shit like that and i'm like oh this is i'm not going to be very helpful here and another teammate said are you sure i'm like i'm 50 (laughs) (laughs) you know what i wasn't they they strike away from you okay dad (laughs) well you know what i wasn't doing in the 90s watching kids horror content that is I might know something through the miasma or whatnot, but I promise you, I'm not a 90s kids horror expert. Um, You know who is an expert in acting? And that is Cameron Mitchell. (laughs) And during the sequence in which he he learns about Weiss's death, I wrote down that he is acting as if something is lodged in his lower colon. I mean, it's not, it's a, it's a performance, but I'll put that in Dick fingers. He's, he's giving it his all, but he's also giving his all to this movie, which I don't think is what is required. Yeah, this is, this is one of, this is one of those great horror movies in which half the cast is, is, you know, yes, girl, give us nothing. Uh And, and the other half is just like, you know, you know, hey, Stella, just like, (laughs) emoting like they've never emoted before somewhere in between is night court's richard mall who as i mentioned previously is wearing one of uh cameron mitchell's spare wigs and he is monologuing in looking right down the pipe on yeah, local he is TV. trying to convince the audience that god is dead god is dead jesus never existed and he is, he, he, keeps ta- he, he keeps talking about that he has evidence, but he never actually presents. No, he evidence. never pops out the evidence. He's very into saying he has evidence, but never presents said evidence. Simply that because an absence of evidence, it's just it just means he's right, I guess. And for whatever reason, they keep mentioning that he has a Nobel Prize. 
but like a Nobel Prize in what? A, no, a Nobel Prize in atheist? <laughs> <laughs> were, were they just handing those out in the early 80s? Just like, I don't believe God exists. Oh, well, your Nobel Prize, sir. It's, it's like him and him and Ricky Jervis. <laughs> Nobel Prize in yeah, if, if um, he has a Nobel Prize in I don't believe God exists, where is Ricky Gervais' award? Because he's really banana. He's been chasing the ring on that one for quite some time. Much to all of our annoyances, like the, oh, Jesus Christ, he's like the worst. God damn, he's the worst. It's one of those fucking turns. Why do these assholes always have to have these, these turns where they, they, they do, they, they make some art that you're like, hey, that's smart. That's funny. That's good. And then they get to a point where they're just rich and thin enough that they're like, I'm going to become the most annoying motherfucker on the planet. Yeah, it's just the whole getting high in their own supply thing where, uh, where you, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, well, you thought this one thing I said was smart and funny. Have you considered <laughs> everything else I say is smart and funny? You know what? You know what is fun to make jokes about? Not that I'm going to illuminate anything. I'm just going to make jokes. Racism. I'm just going to make racist jokes. You, you know who needs to get knocked down a peg or two? Trans people. No. They had it. They had it. They had it easy enough. It's Truly. time. It's time they've got some tough talk for me, Ricky a group, a group of people who've been living high on the hog for far too long. Trans people. I just, oh god. Just <laughs> it. I I used to refer to our old dog Nigel as uh, too smart for his own good. Like he he was like a raptor testing the fences. He would be able to open doors with his mouth. Stuff like that. It's like cute up until the point where you're like, I don't want him to get this chocolate. There's no way to avoid to hide the chocolate from him. I see, you know, hide chocolate in high places. And he was a very tall dog. <sighs> Ricky Gervais is like that. He's too fucking smart for his own good. And he he's just sniffing his own ass vapors to the point where he convinces himself, I'm a goddamn genius. And they're it's it's not him it's like fucking everyone who gets to the point where they're their internet's boyfriend just loses their fucking shit it's it's the male version of the it girl syndrome only the it girl syndrome that girl never has any sort of for the most part most of them don't have the wherewithal to go this is my moment to shine it's just when everyone collectively goes i think i want to have sex with that person and six months later they're like i'm sick of that person i hope they die it's not their fault that you they were shoved down your throat you asshole fucking figure it out oh that's my rant everyone god is dead <laughs> remember remember um uh the brute man uh yes one of my all-time favorite uh, bits is the, the grumpy uh, shopkeeper, and mm -hmm. he like he like just like you know screw up, I hate you, and then like <laughs> and like the uh, the kid leaves, and he like he like picks up the newspaper. God is dead. Good. <laughs> I just love that. I just love that line so much. <laughs> I'm sick of that asshole. Everyone's talking to me, Adam. Oh. Yeah, I had to go to a wedding a couple of weeks back and um, suddenly one of my nephews um, was like, he, he's been raised Jewish, so he hasn't really been to a bunch of, you know, 
Catholic ceremonies. It's like, how long does this go on? I'm like, it's going to be about an hour. He's like, oh, wow. I'm like, well, listen, we could be in a, a Greek Orthodox wedding and that will occupy the first third of an entire Academy Award winning movie. And that went over great with a 13 year old. <laughs> and, and, then, and then I'm like, listen, I, I was raised Mormon. So like every Sunday, like three hours of my life was spent in church every Sunday. And he looked at me like I had, like I was telling him a war story. It got real serious. Like every Sunday, every fucking Sunday, three hours, three goddamn hours, Gina, I'm never getting back. And then you like have to go to like lunch afterwards and, and all that stuff, I assume. Uh, no, it was more like go home and, and, and mom had prepared another chicken and broccoli casserole that was the driest chicken and the wettest broccoli put together <laughs> in one dish. I love my mom. She was not a good cook. She made me hate vegetables for a good 20 seconds. What am I though? Oh my God. My mom, my mom, like I always said that like my mom's method for cooking vegetables was boiling all the color out of them. And then like five minutes more after that. Yeah. Just really making sure that there was no bacteria on it to the point it was just indistinguishable. Like just what, remember the first time you ever had like like squash or something cooked, yeah. cooked correctly, like a third eye opens up and it's yeah, like, exactly. oh my God. Right. I mean, I love uh, grilled asparagus, especially, you know, we, we kind of head into an asparagus season. Um, I love roasting it. But the first bite of asparagus I have, I do throw up in my mouth just a little. And it's a reflex. It's a reflex. Because <laughs> my mom would pick up the, the stockiest, branchiest fucking asparagus on the face of the planet and boil it to the point where it was just a weak limb of a tree. And you just have to shove it all down your throat in one go because you couldn't really chew it. Um, it's it just like wet bamboo. I don't <laughs> Oh my God. We God were, really we're, is dead if he allows people to cook like that, I think. Yeah, we're sidetracking because the more we talk, the, the more incoherent we're going to sound. We're going to sound like two people on the verge of a stroke. I mean, listen, I took rather exhaustive notes on this. There's no way to convey what oh, the I didn't even. I, I didn't even try. Uh, among the, 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 among the messages I sent, sent, Patrick was, you know, I hope you don't think I'm gonna I'm gonna be able to explain any of this. That's all on you, baby. <laughs> no, there's no explaining what happens here. And but also I, like it's one of those things where I, I would almost rather we do a commentary episode on it at some point because people have to see it. Maybe people we could do like the whole the whole schmagaggy, the whole like like you know, all three stories. Yeah, because it's just, uh, it, it's wild. They they do one sequence where they're like, where his God is dead book is, come, is coming hot off the presses. Um, and Claire apparently is a, his wife, is a devout Catholic. Um, Which, uh, that, that, that seems like something that would not work out long. I mean, you know, we all, you know, we all go through our phases where, you know, we, we were attracted to people who are completely different from us in every possible way. Yeah. But, you know, you, you, you then you'll learn, then you grow up a little bit. You'll learn that for, you know, you know long-term happiness, you need to have, you know, some cohesiveness right. in, in order to, to get along with each other. And, and I, and I feel like stark religious differences would, would, uh, 
would be would be one that does not ensure long term success. Yes, I think there's a, a stark difference between a devout Catholic and a guy who goes on television to shout God is a professional atheist. Right. Uh, their their marriage is rocks on versus what most of us think about when, when we say opposites attract, which is a a, a, a young uh, Persian dancer and a cartoon cat getting together. Exactly. Though that marriage can work. Like I totally believe that she's fucking that cartoon. Yeah. See, cat. they have sizzling chemistry. Paula oh my and, god. And, and MC Scat Cat. MC like Scat Cat. Yeah, they're just they're just eyeing each other like they, they can't wait for filming to stop. I mean, she loves that fucking cartoon cat. And when that cartoon cat looks at her, little heart cartoons pop out of his chest. And I believe the love because I see the love and their sexual chemistry is so hot. Oh, oh, it's off the charts. Whereas here, Claire and her husband, I did not actually know they were supposed to be a couple. Except, no, uh, for, the fa- except for the fact that they have the same last name. In the same last name, and they and she wakes up out of nightmares in the same bed. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they are. They are in a bed together at some point. But yeah, other, <laughs> right. than, other than that, it's like they could be brother and sister for all yeah. I know. Or or acquaintances or you just happen to have. I mean, I mean, Hanson's a pretty a pretty common last name. It's entirely possible. I mean, you probably run into many people with the last name Hamilton. So I mean, yeah. you know, it, it's you know they could just happen to you know, you know, just know each other to have the same last name. But nope, they're supposed to be husband and wife. Speaking of uncommon last names, uh, a, a crazed monk enters uh, uh, James Hanson's workplace, his crazy upside down pyramid office building. Uh, and apparently you're just, uh, he's in charge of it. He he has a, a board of directors. I don't fucking get the, this is one of the things they've just cut out. What, yeah, like what, industrialist is his, he is. what is his business here? I don't know. Maybe he's trying to get his own NBA team. Like in the visitor. I don't know. <laughs> I, why, why all of the devil worshiping cults have to be connected to these weird random industries is beyond me. But the people were very determined that this is how it happened. So this crazed monk is named Papini. Papini. And Papini wanders into this office. He's like, he, he kind of hey. looks, see, he kind of has this like Rasputin look to him. Yes. Which yes. I assume is intentional. Oh, very, very. I think that it's, it's about shorthand is about the best you're ever going to get in this motion picture as far as characterization is concerned. And he's like, I have to tell you, you are in great danger. And he's like, I don't believe I am in great danger. <laughs> I don't know what Richard Mole's going for here, but it's, he's not talking like Richard Mole. Let's put it that way. It's definitely a character. And Pepin is like, you are in a fight with the devil. He's like, I don't believe in the devil. He's like, well, look at this. And he pops open his shirt. And he's got, <laughs> get a load of these. He's like, I got a 666 tattoo. What do you think of that, motherfucker? And he's like, it's a tattoo. Like, he looked, no, he looks shocked. Like, oh my God, what is that? He must be but, serious. Is he shocked that he has a six 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 tattoo on his chest, or, or is he shocked, shocked that someone popped open their fucking shirt in the say, middle of his office? He's shocked and he flashes titties at him. <laughs> <laughs> cut two, and the hardest of cut two. It's like every cut where like a scene ends, lands you. You don't know if it's been an hour, a day, a week, a month. Papini is eating out of a fucking dumpster, as somehow outside the Hanson home. 
and four cops. Oh my god, the, the ADR of these cops is is mm, like if you don't if you don't watch this entire and I, I actually want our listeners to watch this because oh yes, it's vital that they watch. Yeah, this. it is. I can't. I don't even have a word for it. it. It's it's beyond description. But you've got. It, it sounds like it's it's like two people doing the voices of four people. Yes. Um. One I'm of them. One of them has slightly. a. I'm changing my voice slightly. One of them has a a like a old school Bowery Boys voice. Like, hey, what do you think you're doing around here? <laughs> I asked Mister Thompson whether or not you're allowed to go in his dumpster, and he said no. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they're they're fighting a cartoon ghost and a gorilla. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> and so he's like, "What are you doing here?" He's like, "I have to protect the Hansons." And they're like, "No, you don't." And they pull out their their billy clubs, and I'm like, "This is the most realistic segment of this movie." I can well, believe yes. that cops would harass an unhoused monk for sure. So they they. They they wheel him away. Um, cut to the oddest motherfucking disco in the world. I just, this looks like a Swiss chalet restaurant with disco music playing. Oh, and, and, these, and these dancers, where do they get these dancers from? I don't know. But they're certainly, I would say the dancers in the in-between segments are infinitely better than the disco dancers in this particular story. Like, well, yes, 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 yes. Of I course. mean, they're completely different productions. <laughs> Let's put that out there. They're not related. It's not like it was the same crew or even the same time period. They've just plucked these movies out of whatever garage and, and a cardboard box they were stored in and made them into this movie. So, you have Mr. Olivier, I fucking a waitress who is very kind to this bouncer in, in a silk jacket. And, but she's looking over at him and he's like, uh, you can just hear dream weaver in the background <laughs> when they lock eyes. But the problem here is he's sitting in an oversized chair with two ladies on either side of him and it makes him look like he's a baby like they're in kindergarten it just it's the it's a comically large chair and they're wedged hip bone to hip bone next to one another yeah it's like a it's like one of those gag like like big chairs you sit in for a photo yes uh, so it is, it is, it, I, if the goal was to make him look cool, hot and sexy, F, F, F. Uh, yeah. Just, 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 you know, the barest effort and unsuccessful. Yes. And, you know, in a movie that repeats the dance with me, dance with me song, you know, five times, the disco song is playing was like, I like what you got is, I don't know if it's a step up or a step down, Gina. I don't know which one I like better. It is a very, very difficult call to make. But he signals her over. This is an entirely dialogueless segment where all you're hearing is that disco song. He calls her over. He to one of the girls he's sitting hip to hip with. He's like, hit the bricks. And she comes over and kisses her. Cut to his bedroom. Now, he is dressed in a different outfit 
which is more disco Dracula than his previous outfit. Oh yeah, it's like a it's like a satiny like like a Jerry Seinfeld poet shirt kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, you're thinking, is that John fucking Saxon in that Starsky and Hutch episode? No. <laughs> like, well, that's the thing. Like, like I think this movie, you know, unsurprisingly, is unsure mm-hmm. whether or not he's supposed to be like a demon or a vampire. It yes, it throws out every kind of monster it possibly came. But here, this is a very, I just, I can't think of any other movie that we have covered. I'm on the edge of my seat right now, Gina. I can't tell you how much energy I have. Because (laughs) this sequence in which she's in bed, she's drinking what appears to be water in a wine glass. It's not, it's not white wine. It's definitely clear. So she's up to her neck in silk sheets and he's sitting on a chair and going, Hold on, I'll be right there. Let me take off my shoe. Slow. Oh my God, he's like, like if any, if any of you have ever like been in the presence of someone seductively taking their socks off, please, <laughs> I, I would love to hear that story. <laughs> and and, and yeah, go ahead, go ahead, tell what happens. Takes off his shoe. And then it looks at her like, you like that? You <laughs> like how I took off that shoe? Hold on, hold on, it gets better. He reaches for the sock, which obviously has a fucking foot in it. You know how you can tell? Because socks don't hide feet very well. You can kind of see the outline of what a fucking foot is in a sock. He takes off the sock and then cut to close up of a motherfucking hoof. He's got, he's got, uh, uh, what's a Torgo feet. He's got Torgo feet. And I mean, if I were him, no, I, 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 I have stated before my, my, my dislike for keeping on the socks dur- during uh-huh. the spice during the spicy times. But, yes. but, but if I had hooves for feet, I would simply leave those fucking socks on. I mean, what, what is, what is the goal? What is the point of this? Why does he have to? T- he's like, hey, hey, hey. It, listen, he's fully fucking clothed. The only items he has taken off are a shoe and a sock. And he was walking sex. normally up to this point. Yeah. And then takes she screams, end of scene. We cut back to the disco and the the kid wearing the silk jacket is like, I'm waiting for her to come back. She needs to come back. And then, and then Mr. Olivier's limo drives by and it's, it just shoves her out the door while in motion. So she tucks and rolls out of that bad boy like she's a regular, uh, you know, third kill. And, and you know, you know, they had, no, you know, they didn't have a, 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 no goddamn stunt man that budget either. No, 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 no. I, I feel and that's fucking concrete. So did she live? Did they have sex? Did he drain her blood? We never find out. No. It just, I don't, there's no resolution to this. It's like just the, the something people, that the, the, happens. The people waiting for her kind of look like, oh, male's here. <laughs> yeah. And then like it cuts to them like frantically running over to, 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 to go see if she's okay. Yeah. It's like used cocktail waitress delivery shove out the door. Bye. Like, oh, no. Yeah. And so, the result of this is like Cameron Mitchell shows up um, to Disco Nazi's house, Mr. Olivier. 
And he's like, hmm. Cut to kid in the in the silk jacket. Uh, oh my god. Oh now my he god. shows up the same thing. He's like, are they gonna confront one another? No. And these are unrelated shots. These are just simply things that happen in this order. And I don't particularly understand why they happen in that order. Because this it, it gives the impression that Cameron Mitchell witnesses this silk jacketed bouncer entering Mr. Olivier's house, but he never mentions it again. So I don't know what the fuck is going on, but that dude enters there. He has his own gun. Why showed up with a gun? He got a fist through the chest. He shows up with an automatic pistol, semi-auto, I guess, uh, and uh, opens up the same fucking curtain, and there is a melted werewolf behind the curtain. <laughs> but this is a this is the first of two stop motion monsters. Oh my because god! Then then the head then it becomes a completely different monster which is just a kind of like a homunculi is the best as i could put it again a, a second reference to the keep it's kind of a keep monster because it, it's got big glowy eyes yeah oh my god i again please watch this movie because yeah. you we can't describe just how it's actually it's almost kind of adorable it's how, charming. How it's bad way. the special effects are in this scene. Because I kid you not, I, I swear on, on the soul of my dead grandmother, who I, I, I loved beyond words, <laughs> that at the point where the monster and this actor are in the same frame, uh, the actor appears to have been rendered in Play-Doh. Yes. <laughs> It's a hard time translating that silk tour jacket into stop motion. It truly has to be seen to be believed. And I think we really tried to make this show eligible, whether or not you've seen the movie or not, it's entertaining. But I don't know how to describe it. It's just in fucking describable what happens here. And then you cut to Claire reading a fucking letter. And from from Papini, like he, a jailhouse missive, where did he get stamps? How long <laughs> has it been? Has it been a day? Has it been a week? We don't know. They just And he's like, you're in danger. I just really need you to believe this. And Claire starts to hear noises in her very creaky house. So she goes up to up upstairs to what appears to be a closet, but a very sparsely populated closet there's a long rack where you're meant to hang various things and like one or two items are hanging there because otherwise you wouldn't see her you would just see a row of clothes so this is they're like this is a gigantic walk-in closet with no fucking clothes in it okay she goes to a door tries to open it up and a portal to hell opens <laughs> and motherfucking glowy-eyed zombies pop out of the floor. She, gravity reverses, and she's poltergeisting it off of this closet door while these unrelated zombie monsters are out of the ground going, rawr, rawr. <laughs> You're like, I don't... Is this supposed to be scary? Is this supposed to be amazing? I... 
I'm so disconnected from what's happening. I don't know what's going on. They're putting a, a lot of effort into it. But to what effect? <laughs> like the whole place is filled with demons. Is that supposed to be a dream? Is that really? Yeah, happen? I think I think it's establishing that that she is experiencing nightmares. Yeah. Which I don't know if they're trying to imply that that the nightmares are actually sort of uh, you know uh, predictions or premonitions of of you know, what lies ahead. Yeah. And typically in this type of scenario, right, you have a, a protagonist, I guess, uh, who's like, I'm experiencing all this phenomenon. And she goes to see some sort of guru, someone in the know. And they're like, more more often than not, they're tr trying to give them cryptic answers. But no, she goes to the local Catholic church where a priest and confessional tells her, yeah, God's chosen you to fight the devil's emissary. You gotta <laughs> Just, do it. You have no gotta choice. Gotta do it. He's just, listen, we don't choose who we are or what our, our lot in life is. You just got to fight the fucking devil. That's that's what's up. I hate to be the bearer of great news. And then these tiles open up somewhere in the church and a box, like an antique box. It looks like something you pick up at, at a garage sale. Come it, And it also looks like someone's holding it and just... Holds it up through the hole in the floor. It's, yeah, it's basically a you know, special guest appearance by Thing from the Adams family. It's, I mean, it's like they, they couldn't even find like a, a can of beans to like hold it up like this is a mechanical device. No, it's a hand just like, here you go. Here's this box. And so... You know, great news, everyone. According to this fucking dummy, this wood box was made of Christ's crucifixion cross. So it's got some sort of magic woo-woo that'll it's, fix everything. It's got but one of those, like, Franklin Mint, like, you know, certificates that, that <laughs> guarantees that this is, you know, authentic, you know, you know, you know wood from, uh, from, from uh, Galilee. <laughs> right. And so, like... Normally, when you open this box, you should hear like a you should see a little cartoon ballerina like spinning around and going. <laughs> oh, ding, no. ding, 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 ding. But it's empty. I it just it, it, he's like you're gonna fight the devil. Here's a box. Here's an empty fucking box. And she's like, got my orders. Salutes. <laughs> then cut to Papini walking along a beach, fresh out of jail. And he goes to a lighthouse. We never see the top of it. It's just very round. It looks like a lighthouse because it's got a, 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 a spiral staircase. And he goes inside and there's a, a lady at the top floor and he's at the bottom. And he's like, hey, um, who are you and what is your business here? And, and she's like, oh, you know, I'm working for my master. And he's like, but your master is the father of lies. Oh, I, she, my, my favorite line that I know they had to have been so proud. They had to have their Stephen J. Cannell moment where <laughs> she's uh, she's wearing white. She's got this sort of like 40s femme fatale thing where like yeah. she's all in white. She's got the, you know, the white scarf and looking all mm -hmm. pale and tragic. Yeah. And uh, and he's like, he's like, you shouldn't be wearing that color. Your color is red. And they're like, oh shit, Ooh. he got her. He got her number. 
he, he burned uh, as uh, my son is often uh, yelling at me when he just makes a casual observation. Um, and she's like, oh, you, you think I should be wearing red? How about I turn into a melted werewolf? And she does. She just like. An inside-out werewolf with a drooling problem. She you like she oh. like turns. She like does the whole Dan Aykroyd Twilight the Twilight Zone movie thing. <laughs> exactly. Turns away and then turns back. She's got the the, the the rubber mask on, and just dr- the fangs are just dripping liquid, like to the point where it's like airplane sweating, you know, from the movie <laughs> airplane. But it's coming out. Yeah, of I don't its know. Mouth. I don't know. Anything? Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I guess it's like the latex is like running or something. It's not like. It doesn't look like saliva. It's some sort of like like pinkish like something or other hanging on. They, it, they thought they were very clever. Whatever they, they, the makeup artist is like, it's something that's really going to take this over the top. And it looks like they ran a, a garden hose through the the mouth of it, and it's just dripping out of it. I think okay, okay Papini's going to get bit by this fucking werewolf. No, no, I promise you. You don't know where this is going because he just one he backs out of this fucking half lighthouse back out onto the beach. And we are confronted with a stop motion Spider-Man. Welcome to the Spider-Verse, Gina. Did you see this one? And across the Spider-Verse, the Spider-Man. Who just crawls out of a hole in the beach. Crawls out of a hole, grabs the cartoon Papini. Hold him up by his legs, and you're thinking, oh, it's going to rip him in half. No. The hole just opens up, and it kind of pile drives him into the ground. <laughs> and, and again, more ADR or someone kind of going differently. No, no. Yeah, no. Please, no. And you're like, oh, my God. He's, if that sounds crazy to you, congrats. You're right. This doesn't make any fucking sense because the very next scene, Claire is in the morgue with Cameron Mitchell and the body of Papini. They recovered his body from hell? Like, what happened? Hell spat him back out after a while. Right. You know, it's very timey-wimey, so whatever. So, yeah, Papini... And she goes, he asked, like, when was the last time you saw Papini? And she goes, I drove him to the beach. He said he had a meeting. When did this happen? She was reading a letter. She went into a closet. She defies gravity. She goes to a church. At no point is she driving Papini to his beach meeting with a cartoon Spider-Man. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Like... If you think this is hard to describe, try watching it. You should just go for that fucking ride. Uh, and then at one point, I, I, I he, Cameron Mitchell is having a conversation, uh, maybe with Claire. I don't know. But the he goes, someone says, Satan. And Cameron Mitchell goes, who? <laughs> How many fucking Satans do you know? Never heard of them. Like Jimmy Satan from the Connecticut Satans? <laughs> no, there's like one Satan. Or Satine if you're from The Visitor. Which suddenly makes perfect sense when compared to this movie. Yeah. But as soon as Satan is mentioned, who shows up but Mr. Olivier, who prompts Mitchell to take uh, his 
uh, captain partner. <laughs> oh, his his ninety year old partner. <laughs> no, he we we've done a movie with him before, right? He was in Skate Town, USA. That was playing him, Mops. wasn't That's it? That's him. Yes. Oh my god! I'm thinking. I'm like, I've seen this guy before because yeah. he still does that pattering. Wow, yeah, yeah, sure got something. You're really obsessed with this guy. I'll tell you. Yeah. That's that same guy, really. It's oh the same God. guy. It's the same guy from Diamonds Are Forever, who is the lounge act who owns the mortuary service. Like I'm, I'm watching it, I'm like, this is supposed to be like funny that this guy's a cop, isn't it? Right. But I yes. couldn't. I couldn't put my finger on. I mean, I didn't think it was funny, but I, I, you know what I mean? Like he was like, I could tell that this was meant to be funny, yeah. even though it's not funny. But no. like I'm like this is the the fact that this ancient man is like a a you know a a you know, hardened police detective is supposed to be like funny. But why is it, 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 what is it that's supposed to make it funny? And it, it that makes perfect sense. Oh my god! <laughs> so he he Cameron Mitchell takes him to Weiss's apartment, which is like literally got Sylvie Pepe scrawled on the wall with like red string going around <laughs> and. He's like pointing out that Mr. Olivier like lived in, during World War One, and here he is during this administration. And here he is, you know, and like fucking newspapers from eighteen seventy. I was gonna say it was like, like it was like a perfect photograph. <laughs> yeah, like I swear to God, like the only thing missing is that one photograph of Jason Voorhees in a hockey mask yes. taken by the his purple you know, Jason the, doing his purple look. You know the Crystal Lake Gazette. Um, so he's like, I can't believe this. All right, we gotta we gotta go to Mr. Olivier. So Mr. Olivier, in the meantime, has invited Claire's husband on a boat ride. <laughs> so he goes. Because when a when a guy you've never met before says, You gotta go down to the docks and get on this boat, you just do it. So he does. He goes to some sort of fucking private island. Uh, and is given a very lazy cheese and cracker plate. I mean, it's very anemic. It's, it's like there's a wedge of cheese and some really random crackers. Yeah, de- demons are not good hosts. Yeah. So Mitchell, in the meantime, Mitchell has gone to Olivier's house. And he goes like to his partner, his old ass partner, you stay here. He does. And then. Uh, the crazy lady in white, or is it Miss, or is it uh, Olivier? Shows up outside the car. I can't remember. It's which. Olivier, I think. Yeah, but he's outside the car, and he's like, "I'm trying to get out. And <laughs> I, can't, I can't get out of my car. <laughs> I can't get out of my car." <laughs> like, it just starts like slowly filling with smoke. <laughs> he's he. Like, in a movie that's supposed to be ripping off the omen, he's like, I don't know. Should we smoke him like a brisket? Is that a way people fear they're going to die? And then an explosion from from another movie is simply inserted into it. It's just a wall of flames. I guess that's supposed to kill both uh, the the 90-year-old partner and Cameron Mitchell. I don't know. We don't see Cameron Mitchell again after that. I don't think so. I I, I think we're supposed to we're supposed to think that that has killed him. Uh, it might have immolated the entire coast. It's, it's just there's no filmic way to tell what is happening. Yeah, it's like it's a just, gas line explosion. <laughs> exactly. 
It's like fucking Hiroshima is just <laughs> erupted right there. <laughs> Cut back to the island. And and and, and the husband, Richard Mole, is having a conversation with Olivier, where Olivier is on a banister on the second floor. And so he's constantly looking up at him. Because they don't want to show any other part of the house. Because it's probably the same house that Olivier's main house is. And it is very timey-wimey. And, and he's like, what did you bring me here? And Olivier's like, because uh, you need to work for my employer. And he's like, well, what is your employer? And he says, my master, Satan. And Mole's like, well, that doesn't do anything for you, my guy. I'm a famous non-God believer. Have, have and- you not heard of me? I don't believe in God. I published the book on not believing in God, my quite good, literally. My good friend, Ricky Gervais, and I. <laughs> we have a joint venture going, and it's gangbusters. Uh, and he's like, well, I'm going to give you... He pulls out a Fast and Furious uh, handkerchief that they always use in Fast and Furious to start a race. And he goes, you have until this hits the ground to apologize. And he drops it. And Mole's kind of like, uh, this this is not doing anything for me, and then it hits the ground, and Richard Mole melts <laughs> like he's in a fucking microwave. <laughs> he just he hits an acid bath. He just becomes a purple piece of meat with eyeballs. Like, oh no, this is not how I saw this going. And Olivier goes super saiyan gets struck by lightning, becomes a stop-motion monster. It's like, oogity-boogity. <laughs> and this is where I just wrote down, my brain hurts. <laughs> and then the rest of this is so haphazard what happens. Basically, Olivia comes back. Claire examines the box. It's empty. But she's on the case. She's a motherfucking shaft for some reason. And then she she starts to tail Olivier, who has gone to a public park in the middle of the fucking day. And she just revs her engine, revs her engine, puts it in a drive, and runs Olivier over. And he makes a little bit of a hurt cartoon monster noise where he's like... Stuck in her windshield. <laughs> and then cut to a hospital with a giant sign that says no trespass. And it's a surgery suite. And he's on a table in a, with all the surgical equipment around them. And there's another person. And I don't know who that other lady is. Do you know who that other lady is? Have I you seen her before? The Wikipedia has her as her, as her quote, assistant. Where did you get a fucking assistant from? Wait, we've never seen the assistant before. Like, I, at a certain point, I'm like, is that the waitress? No. Is that one of Olivier's lady friends that he sits with in overly large chairs? No. She's just a random lady. And they're just scooping um, organs out of his body and putting them into little dishes. And then finally... After he starts to wake up, she takes out a Veronica-sized heart out of his body <laughs> and puts
puts it in a box and you're thinking, oh, okay, I understand what the box does. And whammo, he goes, oopsie doodle. They cut to, it's the assistant on the table and Mr. Olivier is there. Uh, well, they, they, being, they, they, she also, at one point, the assistant, like, becomes like, like, like over, you know, overtaken by something and just starts uh-huh. like, like, like stabbing the bejesus out of them. Yeah. And, and she's like, no, 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 no. There's a purpose here. We got to take out these individual organs. And, and then it flops and the assistant's on the table and Mr. Olivier is just fine. So was this a mind game? I don't know. I mean, you can beat the, the devil with a fucking Lincoln Town car, but then if you try to do surgery on him, you can't. This is this is the point. Like that, you know, things are so like you know, haywire on this movie at this point that yeah. you can tell, like when when she is just hacking away at him, getting these organs out, that they are recycling the same shots of her. Like, right. like you, 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 frantically wielding this scalpel. Like, like she's supposed to be a surgeon, and and like she has clearly never picked up a scalpel in her life no, because no, no, no. she's just like, like, like making these like you know it's like she's it's like she's you know smearing mayonnaise on a piece of bread. She's just like making these wide hacks and and like try to get these organs out of his body. Oh my god. And so he just walks out down the hallway and she's like, no. And that's it. That's it. That's the end of the story. And then you just <laughs> direct cut to a guy break dancing for <laughs> two and a half minutes. Two and a half minutes of watching this guy spin on the floor. I, again, a much better break dancer than I ever was, but also not the best break dancer you've ever seen in your life. So. Why? And then, um, and then God and the devil are in their little private Starfield car. There, there are they're having a pissy little argument with each other over whether or not Claire, like you, know, has has won or not. Yeah, she did not. And, <laughs> and and the devil's like, well, she's not going to go get to heaven with her husband. And he's like, I, I don't know what to fucking tell you, man. He made some choices. And, and then. The fucking train, night train to terror, derails, and you end much like the movie has, much like, much like the entire film, and you cut to, and one of the person who's playing bass guitar is like lying on the ground, kind of still playing the bass guitar. (laughs) Even even on death's door, I still have to play the song. He, He still embraces the majesty of rock. Right. Um, and then you cut back to God and the devil and like, all right, let's, let's keep going. And then the train reconstitutes and all the band players, they're all alive again. Why did that happen? When did it fucking happen? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Why, why did the train derail and now it's still going through the stars? Why does it matter? Why did any of this happen? I, oh I, 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 need, I need people other I really I'm not recommending people watch it. I'm begging people to watch this yeah, because this is my I, new cause select. I, I want to make sure if nothing else I want to make sure this is not some sort of shared hallucination. 
It is free to watch. It's on YouTube. It's on Tubi. It's on Screenbox right now. If you're if you have a subscription to that, it's available to see. And we are now the internet's number one night train to terror podcast. I'm telling you right now. You thought we went hard for like Mikey and Hello Mary Lou Prom Night Two and Happy Birthday to Me. Holy shit! Wait till we mount the come the cultural comeback of Night Train to Terror is the film you watch on edibles and then you think I've taken too much. <laughs> Where it's like uh, I gotta go take a shower, gotta go lay down. Am I am I touching the face of God or have I just taken too many? Am I paying for, am I paying for my sins? <laughs> why, why is my entire body vibrating? And how did Claire Hansen get inside that closet? Where is it? Why are stop motion monsters all of a sudden happening? Am I made out of Play-Doh? <laughs> you could be. We could all be made out of Play-Doh if this movie is to be believed. Um, I, I have a hard time choosing our own death venture <laughs> where we decide of, of the deaths portrayed. I, I mean, I would like to be. I would like to see myself rendered in Play-Doh. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I must have, and I was. I must have done it myself. And I was like, you know, four or five. But I would like to see like an adult version of me rendered in Play-Doh. Just pick. You know, do you want to be uh, struck by lightning and melted, or do you want to be picked up by the ankles and and pile drived into hell, but still end up with your body in the morgue? I mean, I do like what happened to the guy with the tour jacket. It was like you just kind of stepped on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that is the way to. And he doesn't seem to have. He's not condemned, whereas Papini seems to be condemned to have his soul tormented in hell. Yeah, I mean, I, I would just you know my little my little play my little play doh self squished, and then yeah, you know I, yeah. I you know I get to ascend to heaven presumably. I mean, there is something to having your heart ripped out by a cartoon werewolf. That is true. <sighs> yeah, I think I'm going to go with heart punched out because I have always wanted to die Mortal Kombat style, <laughs> but. You have to talk like this, which would make recording a podcast very difficult. It's true. You know, but, you know, I've heard worse, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> after seven years on the air, I've definitely heard worse. Uh, speaking of which, Gina, where can people find you on these here internet? I write about television and movies at the school.net. I have my own newsletter in which I also write about movies. That is uh, GinaWatchesThings.substack.com. In uh, its waning days, I am on Twitter under Gina Does Things. And if you have a shiny new Blue Sky account, you can find me there also under Gina Does Things. Yes. Uh, do it today, people. Check it out. You can find us on the socials. You know about Twitter and our Facebook group, which is very fun. Uh, Instagram, uh, you can head on over to Blue Sky to find us. Uh, Patreon is always a great place to find us because uh, that's where you can uh, you know, pay some extra shekels and get some hot content. Uh, we've got over 80 shows for you to listen to, including movie commentaries, bonus episodes, our chat by chat uh, that happens monthly. That's all available for you, depending on how what level of support you want to give us. And just supporting us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or your podcast, your choice is also a great way to say that you enjoy what you listen to. Um, next week on the show, 
um, we're going to do a makeup because um, one of our episodes, unfortunately, got struck down by uh, what I wish was a rare event. It is rare for us, but not rare in the world. Turns out one of our guests was a weird creep. So we don't cotton to that shit here on this podcast, and we just took that shit down. It was a very popular episode in terms of numbers. I don't fucking care. You know what we did? We found uh, some big name guests, and they're going to come on, and we're going to talk about uh, the first 30 minutes of A Nightmare on Elm Street again. <laughs> you thought it was fun the first time. Wait till we replace it with entirely different guests and talk about it again. That's right. Our old friend, uh, Freddie Bernardo uh, Kruger, is going to be uh, on the podcast yet again. Uh, we're going to talk about... Uh, Tina spinning herself to death and knocking her boyfriend out with her uh, with a headbutt. Um, he doesn't wear a shirt. It's fantastic. Like all all the hits are coming back, baby. We're going back to Elm Street for one episode only um, to make up uh, for Volume One of the original Nightmare on Elm Street, and I think you're going to enjoy it. Uh, so don't worry, folks. The body count will continue for myself and for Gina. Bye, bye, everybody. Bye. bye.